Hey everyone, Liam here, and welcome to the Tennis Section Podcast. I haven't done one of these in a very long time. You know, it's always been tough to do the podcast with, you know, with other people, you know, because of conflicting schedules, traveling. I've been doing a lot of traveling over the last year, so it's been tough, but I'm glad to be back, and we've got a lot to discuss, especially, you know, the end of Roland Garros, the grass court season coming up, who can really challenge Novak, some actual players who've really shown some inroads in the grass season so far, and much more, so let's get into it. First up, I wanted to go over Roland Garros. Obviously, Novak just, you know, he showed why he is the greatest of all time in terms of statistics and being able to just dominate on any surface that he plays on. It's the first time anyone's won 23 majors, the first time anyone's won all four Grand Slams at least three times. And you know what? He's looking very, very, very solid and on track to reach uh, reach the final of Wimbledon, win Wimbledon. And, you know, the US Open could definitely could definitely go his way if he's playing like he is right now. And I wouldn't be shocked that he, you know, achieves the calendar slam finally in his career. It's going to be, you know, tough for any opposition, I think. Even, you know, you look at the likes of Carlos Alcaraz, it's been really tough for him to sort of, you know, show enough tennis... F- enough ability of good tennis on grass so far to really make me worry of his abilities against Novak. Um, Novak is just on a different level. I mean, grass is just a lot of it. You need experience on grass and Novak's got that. It's very different when you're a young player, such as a Carlos Alcaraz, a Yannick Sinner, a Holger Rune, even a Stefanos Tsitsipas, you know, because, you know, Stefanos has never really had that much of a successful time at Wimbledon. Last year, obviously, he played quite well, but did lose to Nick Kyrgios. Um, but before that, he had, he never really showed enough good tennis to get himself deep enough into those events. He has played good on grass courts beforehand. You know, he won Mallorca last year. He's playing in Mallorca this year. But it's a very different game at Wimbledon over best of five sets. It's a completely different mental game. And you know what? Novak has had great experience on grass, and that's going to play a really big point. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about going on about, you know, experience on grass is whether... The grass season is just too short. Um, I personally think that it's it's way too short. If you look at the end of Roland Garros, Roland Garros finished the following week. We had two grass uh, ATP 250s. The week after, two ATP 500 on grass. And then this week, we've got eight, two ATP 250s on grass. I just don't think that's enough. You look at you know, you know look at the hard court season. We've got however many Masters 1000s in the run-up to the US Open, I believe what we got, we've got four, like three or four Masters 1000s before the US Open, and then we've got, you know, the US Open obviously itself, but we've got some 500s along the way on on, on the hard courts, and in the clay season, we've got three Masters 1000 before even uh, Roland Garros, and we've got a couple two, uh, 500s, so I think the grass court season is just not long enough, it's going to be hard to sort of imagine a schedule where you know, you get more than, you know, a month and a half for the grass court season. It's going to be tough to imagine that, but I would really love to see a Masters 1000 on grass because it's just not enough to be playing, you know, okay, there's going to be some 500s, going to be some 250s. The big, big name players aren't always going to be playing those tournaments. They don't really need to participate in the 250s at all. And when it comes to the 500s, sure, they might play here and there, but, you know, depending on their form and what their plan is, you know, we've seen a lot of top name players miss out on the on on Queens and uh, and Halle and you know, Carlos Alcaraz won Halle without having to place any top ten players, and it's it's, I think it decentivizes players to be playing earlier, big players. You know, the Novak Djokovic's of this world to be playing these events, even like Casper Ruud, to be playing these events in the run up to Wimbledon because there's just not enough on the line for you to really sort of say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to go play these three back-to-back weeks 
uh, and then take a week off, go to Wimbledon, and you know what? I'm not going to have gained many points. I'm not going to have gained much prize money, and my tennis won't have gotten much better because the conditions on those grass courts isn't really that up to speed. Or, you know, Queens is a very good grass court, but if you look at the Halle grass courts, they just weren't that great. You could see even when you're watching on the TV cameras that you could see that it was really, you know, you could see the lines of the grass patches that they put in. It wasn't that good of a court, to be honest. So it doesn't really incentivize players. And because it doesn't incentivize them to do so, then they come into Wimbledon with not that great of a form. And then the more experienced players from the years before where, you know, these tournaments like Haller would always see Federer, Queens would see Djokovic, Murray, you know, in their peak form playing them. You know, you would see those players playing in those tournaments. It would incentivize the others. But nowadays, it's not really the, the case. And the players with more experience from back in those days, such as the Novak Djokovic, are benefiting nowadays because the other players aren't really participating in those run-up events as much as they would should and they're coming to Wimbledon with less form. I think a Masters 1000 on grass changes the whole situation. I think the grass court season should start a little bit earlier. I think it should, you know, it should start a week before the end of Roland Garros. You know, you get a couple 250s in for the players who, you know, lost in the early rounds of Roland Garros or really didn't really care to play on the clay. They can play for those events there. Then you maybe have, you know, one of the 500 starting right after uh, Wimbledon. You have one week where it's one two fifty and one five hundred, and then you have a Masters one thousand, and then you know you 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 can work your way around it by just adding one more week to the to the calendar. I understand that nowadays they're really trying to make the Masters one thousand a two week sort of special to get more players in, to get more prize money, and also to have it at the same time as the WTA Masters one thousand. But I really think they need to have a Masters one thousand on grass, and the. You know, the geographical location of it, obviously it can't be in the UK. We don't have enough courts that aren't already... Every good grass court and good grass court system that we have in the UK is already being utilised for another event. And other than Queen's, you know, Wimbledon's the only place that has the facilities that are amazing enough to be, a, a, you know, at the level that they are, you know, Grand Slam. I think Queen's wouldn't fit in terms of a Masters 1000, in terms of the facilities that it has, even though they do charge a, charge ticket prices if it was a Masters 2000, even though a Grand Slam, um, you know, they charge tickets more than the Wimbledon tickets cost for Queens this year. Um, but then, you know, you look at Germany, you look at the Netherlands, you look at one of these countries, you know, they have a lot of grass courts, they could, you know, Monte Carlo has the clay courts, and they do an incredible job every year of putting up all the stands and all the things around the court, in a very timely manner to make sure that it's fit for a Masters 1000. I'm sure there's going to be some places where you can do that for grass courts, and I'd love to see a Masters 1000. I think it would drive the competitive edge that's going on in the grass court season. I think it's become a little bit stale over the years, the run-up to Wimbledon. Wimbledon's always exciting. I love Wimbledon, but the run-up to Wimbledon has become a little bit stale. But you know what? There have been some interesting parts in the in the grass court season so far this year, and let's go over them. Um, you know, we've had... Uh, We've had, um, you know, Francis TFO. He's made the top 10 in Stuttgart. I mean, I did feel bad for Jan Lennard-Struff. I'm, is he, 31 now? Uh, and, you know, there's not going to be that many opportunities for him to win a title in his career. He hasn't he hasn't won a title yet. He obviously made the Madrid final. He lost to Carlos Alcaraz. Stuttgart final, home country. He lost to Francis TFO in three sets. Unfortunately, you know, I felt, I felt bad for him. Um, but TFO continuing to make inroads since the US Open. He's been in an in incredible form. And you know what he deserves? He deserves to be in the top 10. I think it's going to be interesting to see how far he can go in the run-up to the US Open this year because that's really the place where he's lacking the points. Um, that could really make or break his top 10 ranking. 
because if he's able to generate enough points before the US Open, then the results of the US Open will be less pressurized. Obviously, a run to the semifinals last year was great, but is he going to be able to do that again this year? It's going to be tough, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition going into the US Open this year, but it's de definitely possible. But if he manages to sort of get that balance of points beforehand, he will have less pressure at the US Open, can play a little bit more freely, and then you know what, his, his results might even be better with, with less pressure on his back. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, he's uh, one of two Americans now in the top 10. I think TFO on grass is great. Um, he did struggle a little bit in in uh, in Queens after Stuttgart. He didn't really really care too much to play too well in Queens. I mean, who would you just trying to ride the high? Um, but you know what? It'll be interesting to see how he plays at Wimbledon. Other notable players, obviously, who played well during the grass court season so far, obviously, been Carlos Alcaraz. Played really well in Queens. I think his first match against the... Arthur Rindiknech, he was supposed to play against Arthur Fies, but he withdrew, uh, Arthur Rindiknech did really bring the heat to Carlos, but we've seen that before with some of these great, great champions that, you know, they might have a really, really tough first or second round match where, you know, they could lose the match, but they dig, they dig in, they fight through and they get the win and then they just cruise through the remainder of the tournament and that's what Carlos did, it was great to see, he was able to get the title on, uh, on Sunday in Queens, and now he's regained the, uh, you know, the number one ranking on the ATP Tour and obviously the number one seed for Wimbledon, which is great for him. But it's going to be quite tough, I think, going into Wimbledon just because, you know, it's a very different vibe to Queen's. Novak Djokovic is just, you know, I think the pressure of best of five sets on grass is a completely different story. Last year he did well. Obviously, Yannick Sinner beat him in that incredible match. This year, I can only see a few players beating Carlos on grass. You know, it's going to be Novak Djokovic and Yannick Sinner. Maybe Stefano Tsitsipas could beat him on grass if he's able to sort of, you know, take control of the serve and volley. But Carlos is such a great returner. And the other last player I think could beat Carlos Alcaraz on grass would be Nick Kyrgios. All of those players could beat Carlos Alcaraz on grass. But you know what? Could Carlos Alcaraz beat all of those players on grass? It's going to be tough for me to think so. I think... You know, I don't think he can beat Novak on grass in the form that Novak's shown over the years at Wimbledon. I don't think he can beat Nick Kyrgios on grass if Nick is serving, you know, out of his mind. But he definitely could beat Stefano Tsitsipas. He definitely could beat Yannick Sinner. So that would be interesting to see. Speaking of Nick Kyrgios, I mean, Nick is just... Yeah, what, what to say? I think it's unfortunate to see that Nick hasn't been able to play really anything during this grass court season. Obviously, he played his first match against, I believe, against Wu in Stuttgart, but lost that one, you know, quite easily, you would say. He seemed to be struggling a lot with his movement. He's withdrawn from every single event since in their run-up to Wimbledon to make sure that he's fully recovered. I really want to see him back at his best because on grass, he's realistically the second favourite to win the title. He's just so good on the surface. He's shown us over the years that he's good on the surface, especially last year. And you know what, Wimbledon without Nick at his peak this year, I think would be a Wimbledon that is a little bit lacklustre. Um, but, you know, it'd be great to see him get back into form. I just really hope that he, you know, finds the, hits the ground running quite quickly once he gets into Wimbledon, as long as his knee is fine. Um, I don't think that will be the case for another player who's been struggling with injuries. Obviously this year, the entire year, Matteo Berrettini, he lost to Lorenzo Sonigo at the Stuttgart Open, or the Boss Open uh, this year in the first round. You know, he's just not been not been in great form at all. He, I have seen clips of him practicing, you know, in the Wimbledon practice court. Do I think he's going to be able to play as his best? No, he just doesn't seem to be 
comfortable moving right now. He doesn't seem to be confident enough. Um, could he play his way into form? You know, could he could he try and survive just based on the serve and get himself into the second week of Wimbledon? Maybe play his way into form. Maybe, but it really all depends on the draw that comes out later this week. I'm going to be making a video on on my draw predictions once the draw is out, and I'm also going to be going to Wimbledon this year in the quarterfinals. So that's going to be exciting. So a lot of content coming onto the channel for you guys. I do hope Matteo can play his way into form because obviously, you know, Nick Kyrgios and Matteo Berrettini have been the two best cross-court players outside of Novak Djokovic over the last few years. And they could really push, you know, themselves far and deep into Wimbledon this year and get a lot of ranking points because, you know, Nick Kyrgios didn't manage to get those 1,200 ranking points from last year at Wimbledon, which is quite unfortunate because his ranking would be much higher than it is right now. But, you know what, he could try and do his best this year and get those ranking points again, but we'll see. Um... You know, if I'm going to select my top, I don't know, four, five, let's say, five players for Wimbledon and the percentage chance I think each of them has to win the has is going to win the tournament. I mean, number one, it's going to be Novak Djokovic. Novak is at like, in my head, Novak's at 80%. I think Novak is already at 80%. He's won Wimbledon. Uh, Nick, if he is injury-free and fine... I would put him around, you know, 10%. Carlos I'd put at 5, and then the rest, you know, maybe Sinner and Alcaraz would be at 2.5 each. Do I believe anyone can beat Djokovic at Wimbledon this year? No, I don't. Do I believe we will get some exciting matchups at Wimbledon this year? For sure, we always get some. Am I as excited for Wimbledon this year as I was for last year or the year before? I wouldn't say so just because, you know, we know most of the tennis fans in the world, I think, know that Novak is most likely going to run away with the title. He's just in such great form. But I'm looking forward to see if anyone can put up a challenge. You know, there might be talks, you know, Holger Rune, you know, he's he's played, he, he got his first few wins on grass this year. Finally, he played quite well in Queens. But we've seen a lot of medical timeouts during his matches over the year. And Physically, I'm not too sure Ross is going to be too well suited for him. There's a lot of wrist action needed. He seems to have issues with his wrist at the moment. A lot of leg actions need, you know, you need to be going low. You need to be bending your legs quite a lot. He's got he's got huge legs, obviously, but we've seen that he can get quite fatigued in matches, and it'll be interesting to see. But you know what? That's that's my Wimbledon and grass court season overview for the moment. And obviously, we talked about Roland Garros. So I hope you guys enjoy the tennis section podcast. Obviously. I'm going to try and do as much as is possible. I'm going to try and do some, you know, once the Wimbledon draw is out, maybe the week before Wimbledon, I'll try and, you know, get some get some, uh, get some, some content out there for you guys during Wimbledon if there's some big upsets or stuff like that. And also, you know, for the finals, I'm going to try and, try and get a podcast out for you guys. But if you enjoy the podcast, please let me know in the comments below what you enjoyed or what you want to hear next time, what you, what you like, what segments you would like me to do on the podcast. I'm quite new to this. And, you know, if you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe. It really helps to grow the tennis section community. And subscribe to the channel because I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers.